Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Did you all know I am published... Did you know this? The 1997 Lakes Lancers Lancet. I was interviewed. Now, here's the context of this interview. Um, Everybody got to go to the college of their choice, and I didn't. And so I was kind of stewing. And uh, a school reporter was going around in the hallways. And one lunch period, I was there with three of my friends, and we all got asked what we're doing after we, gradu- after we graduate. And the three friends that I was hanging out with that day all got into UW, and I didn't even apply to UW. Um, I applied at Western, and twice actually, and got two no's. And so I was kind of fuming at this point, and so the question that they ask us is, what are your plans after graduation? Well, they asked the three nerds that I was with, what you know, what are you going to be doing after graduation? One, I, I, I've applied to the architectural program. The other was like, I am pursuing my, you know, pre-med or something like that. And the other said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to UW as well. And then they get to me. And I remember, um, I was just in this funk. And I remember saying, here's, here's, here's my great moment of uh, being published. What are you going to do after graduation? And I remember saying, absolutely nothing. Brad Epperson. And I remember that moment, it was one of those shrug your shoulders moments. And we all have those times in our lives where we are confronted with something, and either because of laziness or because we don't know what to do next or because we're confused or because we just don't know where we are in the moment, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and we go, I don't know. Our text today deals with folks who shrugged their shoulders at Jesus. There's two parts to our text today. Here's how I want to set it up. There's there's this confrontation that Jesus has with the religious authorities, the folks who, when confronted with the authority of Jesus Christ, shrug their shoulders. That's followed by a parable called the wicked tenets. It shows the consequences of shrugging our shoulders at a good God who is patient and generous so that none may perish and all would repent. So here now is the word word of the Lord to you and to me. I will be reading Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 12, 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Because before this, what Jesus had done, he's gone into the temple and he turned over the the money changers' tables and he's going around and he's teaching and they're going, who do you think you are, Jesus? Here's what he responded with. I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves, and they said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people, 
for everyone held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what things, by what authority I am doing these things. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. Here's the response to our shrug to Christ's authority. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the, of the vineyard, but they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them, and they struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He still sent another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him, they killed him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this passage of Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have a shoulder shrug there. Here's the thing. Listen, and, and teenagers, kids here, students, here's the thing. All of us, the way you respond to Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make. Now, if you heard this passage, if you were listening, this first part, his confrontation with the religious authorities, this is tragic because the religious leaders, right, they knew the prophets. They knew the scriptures. They knew the prophets. They knew about John the Baptist. And they recognized John the Baptist as a prophet. They heard about John declaring that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They knew that. Remember when he was in Galilee, the Galilee region, doing all of these miracles, raising the dead, healing lepers, right, walking on water, all of these things. They were watching. They sent spies. They knew what was going on. So they listened to Jesus testify about himself. They heard stories from other people. They watched Jesus perform miracles. And once Jesus enters the temple and starts upending things, starts questioning how their understanding of who God is and how sins are forgiven. Once Jesus gets serious about meddling, they ask him, by what authority do you do these things? Translation, who do you think you are? Now, you'll notice that Jesus answered the question with a question. He turns it around. He said, John's baptism, right? John the Baptist. Let's talk about John the Baptist first. Was was his authority from heaven, or was it human origin? See, they're trying to trap him, but Jesus turns it around and sets a trap for them. He goes like this. You recognize that John the Baptist is a prophet, right? So if it was from heaven's authority, why didn't you listen to him? But if it's not from heaven's authority, if it was from human authority, then you fear the crowd. So you're not even willing to take a stance on John the Baptist. If you can't even plant your flag on John the Baptist, and you keep shrugging your shoulders about John the Baptist... How do I expect you to take me seriously? 
So here's the tragedy in this first passage. Given everything they know, everything they've seen, everything they've heard, they refuse to make a decision about John. They refuse to answer a question about the authority of Christ. And they shrug their shoulders and they go, we don't know. Now Jesus responds to this. Okay. You see all the evidence. You know what you know. And you're still willing to say, I don't know. Your willful blindness, despite the evidence, condemns you. The way you respond to Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make. And the religious leaders here in this story, they're not the only ones to question the authority of Jesus Christ, you know. This is a question we wrestle with. Every day, some of us have been wrestling with this question for decades. Jesus, what authority do you have in my life? Who do you think you are coming into my life and upsetting things like this, right? Who do you think you are to demand ultimate authority in my life? The message that we hear from the world is you're supposed to make money. We're supposed to retire early and live the good life until we die, right? There's a song called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Isn't life just that simple? And Jesus says, pick up your cross. The message we hear in the world is, be who you are. Look within, find answers there. You are worthy, you are good, you are enough, right? Jesus says, deny yourself. The message we hear from the world is, hey, I was born this way, let's celebrate it. And Jesus' message, well, that's why you need to be born again. Our world tells us to follow our heart's desires, and Jesus, again, says, follow me. Question of authority. And so we wrestle with this. Who are you, Jesus, to demand these things in your life? Who are you to go against how I feel? Who are you to go against how the world tells me how to live, that i got to be born again, that I'm not okay the way I am, that I'm a sinner in need of repentance? What gives you the right? Who are you to call me to orient my life around you when all the world says is that's foolish, that's crazy, that's unenlightened? And Jesus says life begins when we stop living for ourselves and we surrender it to him. The question of authority is important because we all have a source of authority in our lives, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, right? We give authority to that someone or that something that guides us and drives us. It's the something or someone that rules. Our authority is our default decision maker. And for most of us, like the religious leaders in this text, it's ourselves. And we aren't really interested in surrendering that rule to anyone else. And so when we are confronted by this, despite the overwhelming amount of evidence of who Jesus is and what he's done, sometimes we like to just stand there and say, I don't know, Jesus. Prophets testified about him. A virgin gave birth to him, miracle worker, teacher, resurrector, he holds command over nature. He holds command over demons. He was crucified and buried. His death atoned for our sins. He is our king and our high priest. He is good. He's coming back to bring justice, healing, and a new heaven and a new earth. And he says to all sinners, follow me. And we go, I don't know, Jesus. That's really inconvenient. Give you authority? 
I mean, you want us to take time and examine who you really are. You want us to do life your way, but I like my life the way it is. Thank you very much. And when we get there, you know what we're doing? We're shrugging our shoulders. I don't know what you're doing. But to those of you listening today, to those of you who are tuned in and you're watching this or you're listening to it on the podcast and you haven't responded with a yes Jesus, today's the day where we are going to challenge you to stop shrugging your shoulders. Now, to those of us who have said, yes, Jesus, I'm speaking to the church. To those who have said, yes, Jesus, I am a confessing Christian and I follow you. What part of our lives are, are we afraid of giving Jesus total authority over? What part of our lives do we hear Jesus saying to us, give me authority over everything, absolutely everything. Give me authority over your finances. Give me authority of, over how you respond to people. Give me authority over the way you think. Give me authority over the way you express yourself sexually. The stakes are too high to shrug Jesus off. Now, for those of us who are just fine with life on our own terms, Jesus issues a warning to the shoulder shruggers. The idle knows. To those unwilling to give him authority. He follows with a parable called the wicked tenants. And this parable of the wicked tenants, it's, it's harsh. And it has to be harsh because it's a warning. But if you look closely, you'll find characteristics of God all throughout this warning of a parable. Four things I want to touch on as we head into this parable. We're going to notice, yes, it's a warning to folks who have said, I don't know, God, whatever. But in this warning, we see the generosity of God, the patience of God, the justice of God, and the hope of God tells them this parable. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. You see, what he's doing here, God is the man who planted the vineyard, and he's arranged for it to thrive, arranged for it to be protected so wine, so blessing can pour out to all around it, right? And here's what he did. He included people in this task. God is incredibly generous in how he includes us to be a blessing to others. They were given a calling and a purpose and a responsibility. And through this people, the world would be blessed that not one should perish, but all come to repentance. And notice in the parable here, God planted the vineyard. Then he calls tenants in to be caretakers of it. And they are the ones responsible for producing a crop. God planted it. To be a blessing, he called the workers, and he expected a crop. God is so generous in the way that he blesses us to be a blessing by including us in his work. The tenants. You'll notice here that these dudes were bad guys, right? Every servant that went to collect at harvest time either left injured or was killed by the tenants. Did you catch that in this parable? In this parable, the servants would have been understood to represent the prophets of the Old Testament up to John the Baptist. The people listening to this knew, the religious authorities, they knew he was referencing the prophets here. Now the prophets, in one way or another, 
commanded people to correct their behavior, to repent and turn to the Lord. And in so doing, they are all pointing to Jesus in, in one way or another. And Israel has a long history of not wanting to hear any of that because they liked things the way they were. And so God here challenges the way they live through the prophets. How do you wield power, Israel? How do you treat those less fortunate than yourselves, Israel? How do we worship him, right? He did that then and he continues to do that now. So what do people do then? What did they do then when God challenges their livelihood? What do we do now? When he calls us to repentance through his word or a sermon based on his word, what do we do when we're convicted, right? Oftentimes, just like what was happening here in the Old Testament, we tend to shoot the messenger. Do we not? No, God, I don't want to follow you. I like the way I'm living, but I want the fruit of what you offer without the commitment of following you. That's the tenets. They wanted every blessing of the vineyard without submitting and following to the uh, the guy who planted the vineyard. And God, in his patience, sends servant after servant after servant after servant. One doesn't return. The next limps back wounded. The following is murdered. One after that gets struck on the head and humiliated, returns to God. And, and I'm sure he said something like this, God, what are you doing? You keep sending us out there. You keep sending servants. And have you not noticed that they are not listening? They are brutal. And they just keep doing what they want to do. And I think God in his patience would have said something like this. I know, I know, I see it all, but I desire that not one of them would perish that even the most wicked among them would return to me if they just listened to my servants, my messengers, repent of their sins and follow me. Just give them time. And I think the prophet that is bleeding and disoriented says, God, they're terrible, all of them. They do what they want to do, and it hurts everyone around them. They lie. They cheat. All of them are depraved. Some take advantage of the poor. They turn away when someone needs help. Lord, they're terrible. They disrespect their parents. They're prideful. They don't want to change. They're lovers of money. They major in the minors. They have idols for crying out loud. They take lesser things and put them in your place, God. They say they love you, but their actions don't prove it. They drive slow in the fast lane, and they even root for the Yankees when the Mariners are just one game away from the wild card race. God, help us. And God in his patience says, I know. I know. I see it all. But I can't imagine eternity without one of them. Would you tell them that? And on and on it goes, and it seems like the wickedness of the people just keeps going. Do you ever feel like that? Now, it's not that God doesn't care or that he's incapable of doing something about it. God is sovereign. He knows all. He sees all. He is in control. And it's not that he doesn't care. It's that he's incredibly patient, not wanting any to perish, but that all may come to repentance. And I hold on to this when things get bad, and I hope it gives you hope as well. And wouldn't you know it? That God is so patient that he actually sent his son to this vineyard to save sinners. Looking at this from a human perspective, that's terrible parenting. 
What parent here would send a child into a situation like this? I would never send Luke into this environment. You won't find a parent that would send their kid into this kind of dysfunction, into this kind of peril, but I'll tell you about a son who willfully obeyed his father and went to the vineyard. A son who knew what was before him and went anyways. He was rejected and killed. A son who was their only hope. A son who was our only hope and his name is Jesus. And God's patience with sin and evil, you see, is not limitless. We don't get to always shrug our shoulders. We're going to have to answer for that one day. There will be a day of reckoning. A day of justice. A day when God will return and destroy the wicked tenants and give the vineyard to those who stop shrugging their shoulders at Jesus. And friends, this ought to give us hope that one day Christ will return to judge and set all things to right. A day when he will separate the sheep from the goats, a day of judgment, which for some, which for the church is going to be a day of relief and peace, but for others, a day of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's all in the New Testament. It's all in the Old Testament. It's all there. Either way, the owner of the vineyard wins and wickedness is dealt with once and for all. This ought to give us hope, and we find that here in this parable. And friends, the reason these two are paired together in the gospel according to Mark, you've got the people shrugging their shoulders at Jesus, and then you've got Jesus responding with a parable, is those are the stakes. Are you willing to keep shrugging your shoulders? And respond to what Jesus has done by saying, I don't know. Willful ignorance, you see, has eternal implications. And you see how Jesus responded to their willful, willful ignorance in this text. So if you haven't responded to Jesus yet, if you're a shoulder shrugger, I have a lot of shoulder shrugger friends. They know what I do. Not a lot of them come on Sunday. And it kills me. Because we talk about Jesus. We talk about God. And we have these conversations where I'm like, look, the evidence is overwhelming. And they still go, I don't know. And if that's you today, if you're here listening today, you're here for a reason. God doesn't want you shrugging anymore. He wants a commitment. If you're watching this, uh, this right now, this video, if you're listening on the podcast, God doesn't want you shrugging anymore. He wants you, all of you. He wants to have total authority in your life. Will you give it to him today? We are not meant to wander through life shrugging our shoulders saying, I don't know. We are a people called by God to be a blessing. We are those who are called to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's how we respond. We don't shrug our shoulders. So take a step of faith today by trusting in Jesus and your Lord and Savior. And if you've, not, if you've never done that before, here's what you do. You say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I trust you. I give you everything. Total authority in, in my life.
and I'm done shrugging my shoulders. And if you've prayed that prayer today, you've got to let us know you're a part of the church now and we don't do this alone. If you prayed that prayer today, let us know. Now to church, to the disciples, here's the question that we ought to wrestle with today. Is there an area in our lives that God has confronted us with? Is there something in our lives where Jesus has revealed something to us? The Holy Spirit has brought something to us and it's percolating in our heart and we found ourselves going, what are you saying, Lord? You're calling me to give my money differently. You're calling me to express myself differently. You're calling me to repentance. You're calling me to forgiveness and forgive the people who I just can't stand to be around. What are you doing, Lord? What's going on in you? that desires a change? And are you stuck saying, I don't know. I kind of like things the way they are. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you help us? You are so generous. You are so patient. You are so just, and you are the source of all of our hope. And God, help us surrender ourselves fully to you, Lord. And if there are things in our lives, God, that you are convicting us on, Lord, through your spirit, would you give us the strength to trust you and obey so that we don't shrug our shoulders anymore? Lord, we trust you. We pray these things in your holy name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.